0: Where did you like to play as a child? I ask this question a lot because childhood memories shape us into the people we become. Welcome to Play It Forward, a worthy podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Ritson. Thanks so much for joining me. I talk a lot about play. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm an educator, and I'm a playground designer. So I want to gather some of my favourite people who are advocates of children and nature and create a space to have an honest conversation about getting more kids outside. The power of play is very often underestimated and I think we all need a little more play in our lives. Welcome, welcome to another Play It Forward worthy podcast. Um, I've got an amazing person to share with you today. Um, Many of you would know her and her... Famous Cups. We've got Sandy Phoenix. So thank you so much for joining <laughs> it's, us. It's
1: a little sorted when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy's famous cups.
0: Famous cups. Oh
1: uh, yes. Well, the amount of is,
0: conferences, <laughs> the amount of centers I've walked into, yeah. and I see cup posters on the wall. I know. So and and it some, is a
1: bit exciting. It's become a bit of a movement, and um, yeah, we used to just call it the Cups Framework. Yeah. But when people go to Google the Cups. You know, what do you reckon uh, they come I up with? I
0: don't want to think about so, it. <laughs> all sorts
1: of yeah, things. Yeah, all sorts of And things. sometimes, you know, cups from Ikea and cups from K-mount, some, sometimes other cups. So there was um, a, m- a moment when we realised that we needed um, to brand this a little bit yeah. better. So Phoenix Cups is, yeah. uh, is what we have.
0: There we go. And mm. it's been going since 2012, all the way back then.
1: Yeah, look, it was an accident in 2012, actually. I was just training a, a workshop for educators a two-day workshop around behavior and psychology yeah. and um, we we're a bit stuck we're in a we're a bit of a come to a, a roadblock in our conversation uh, because we we're stuck in some behaviorist stuff and um, the educators were struggling to understand some concepts around humanistic psychology and and behavior as a function to meet needs and uh And I just you know there's always cups and jugs in yeah. the room and, Resource. yeah, and, and I went oh, let's just think about this child's need for love and belonging and connection as this cup, yeah, and it just had that in front of me, and then I'm like, okay, go with this and yeah and uh and I said, you know what happens if this the, the child's crying and she's distressed, the child we talking about him and, and the the current strategy was to use what's sometimes called selective attention or uh, you know, there's all sorts of things, planned attention, there's all sorts of stuff that people use as a justification for that kind of strategy. And I said, so what's going to happen to her cup? And they said, if that's connection and belonging, then we're ignoring her. And they said, oh, no, it's going to stay empty. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? And they said, we've got to fill it up. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And um, so that was day one of the class and on day two, I thought, well, that was brilliant, <coughs> you yeah. know. Um, how, do I, how do I keep that conversation going? So I almost ditched the whole of day two's program. And I used uh, the five needs that proposed by Glasser and Choice Theory as the cups and all the participants walked in and I had a cup for freedom and a fun and a power and a love and a um, survival. Yeah. And I said, let's talk about all of the challenges we were talking about yesterday as children's best choice that they have to meet their need or to fill their cup. Yeah and then I, uh, and that went really well and we come up with cup filling plans for the first time ever and i went home and i googled it because i thought this has to have been thought of before yeah. and i googled for weeks just going surely i can't be the only person who stumbled across this analogy yep. and i asked everybody that i knew in the field i contacted people who have been talking you know about needs and behavior for and children's rights alongside that for a long time and nobody had heard the analogy before apart from um, there was a little bit used in, there's a bit used in love languages where they talk about a tank of love. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the emotional... Who's that couple. writer,
0: the love languages guy?
1: Yeah, you know what, you've put me on the spot oh. and I do know this because we talk about it all the time because we I do. I should know
0: this because yeah. we did it in my marriage course. Did you? Yeah, Being well communicators.
1: We uh, will we'll get the link for you. Yeah. And It'll we'll be in the show in. notes. It is in the show notes. David and... Um,
0: Dave Chapman, there we go. You guys are great. I know everything. I know. Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. Okay,
1: so it's, we could just um, pop slop that right in there. I'll answer your question for you. It's <laughs> Gary Chapman. Oh, well, I guess so, you should know that. So well
0: informed. <laughs> I know, right? I love it. Well uh, done.
1: So, they, yeah, uh, it's it's great um, concept of love languages, but it's focusing on one one cup yeah. essentially, right, or a tank as they call it, and... And then um, colleagues who were really familiar with the circle of security said, oh, look, emotional cup is used in circle of security. But really breaking down choice theory and thinking about it with analogy of cups, it, as it turned out, it wasn't something that was really done. So uh, it worked for me, and I, and I did it a lot. And um, we, we used it in all of my workshops, and then um, the people that I was working with started using it. And, and then I was asked to speak about it uh, at the think it must have been 2015 or 2014 maybe um Sydney early years conference and it just kind of snowballed real fast from there uh to a point where people were taking pictures of my notes on my slideshow and then blowing that up and then sticking it on their walls and I'd come into their services and go well that's ugly I'm gonna need some better artwork because you know there were Ikea cups that was in my slideshow um so yeah Melissa Underwood from the creativity canvas worked with me to get some visuals and some symbols around those cups and and people started to remember what they were and that there was five and it was really important for people to understand that um, we need to think about all five (coughs) and uh, so yeah it's kind of just it's run away from me since then. Um, Chris my amazing husband wrote the Phoenix Cups book over the last couple of years as a novel yeah so using the framework and then he's a creative writer so um, has written uh, a lovely story uh, where we go on a journey with the characters to discover the cuffs, so, yeah. Awesome.
0: And we'll put that sh- obviously in the show notes as well. So scroll down, check that out after yeah. we've finished. Not yeah. now. You no. patient people. Yeah. Gosh, what cup's that? Um, <laughs> I mastery. live in that cup. <laughs> yeah, um, but let's go back to where it all started for you. Um, mm-hmm. Where did you play as a child? Because it's something we ask all of mm-hmm. our guests and generally it's a good indicator of like some contribution to where you are now, obviously.
1: It's so interesting because I when when I saw that question, I thought, wow, it's actually, it's been a little while since I've really mm. pondered that and, and even thought about how it connects with who I am now. Um, but from six years old to 12, we lived in the Blue Mountains and nice. we backed on to the bushland. Yeah. And so the Blue Mountains and the bush were, were just... Connected very closely with me and who I am, and so my brother and I kind of owned the bush a bit, and nice. uh, we were renegades with other fam- um, neighbours. Yeah, and uh, we'd all get together and we'd take off into the bush, and we had, we had a war with the opposing valley. Yeah, and um, that was ongoing for quite a few years. Oh, how like Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and we you know, there was systems within the community to keep us safe. All of the um, neighbours would, would sort of take turns checking in with each other and, and call you know, I found out later when I spoke to Mum about this experience and she said, Yeah, there was this little network of parents down the you know, and around the community that would call and say, so I've just spotted the kids out at the back of my place or and we you know, we thought we were lost deep in the bush, but really yeah. there was those was kind of eyes. Yeah. that letting each other know and calling each other and saying, I know where they are and <clears throat> yeah.
0: That's so good. And look at the contrast compared to now, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, well, I've attempted to provide my children a really similar experience. Yep. And, and so I do push back against that and say, do you know what, it is possible. 100%. And, and I get that it's not possible everywhere because I, I did decide to raise my children in the Redland City. Yep. Um, which is, or the Redland Coast as it snowed these days, uh, um, which is you know notoriously a safe part of the woods. So I moved back there as soon as I found out I was having my first. Yep and she's now 20 so she'll be 20 in the next couple of months which nice. freaks me out <laughs> and um and since then i've raised three of my own and four step kids so and i've really uh, advocated for their freedom yeah. and thinking about how we can replicate you know that kind of sense of freedom and responsibility and autonomy and so they do frequent the park a lot and they Go jetty jumping and they, you know, make the most yeah. of our local space.
0: It's a beautiful part to grow up in, that yeah. freedom. Yeah. I can relate yeah. to that. Like um, growing up in Brisbane briefly and then moving to the coast and yeah. that coast freedom was just like, oh, my God, this is a thing. Yeah. So yeah. then when I we found out we were having a family and my daughter was quite young, it was like, okay, coast time, yeah. beach time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Um, and what about your backstory? How, what was the journey from there, being in Redlands and then – um, choosing to pursue um, a role in supporting children, supporting educators, supporting parents and that advocacy. So what what was the little track? What led you there? Yeah. I'm sure there's a good story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my, yeah. It's interesting to think about it actually, but mum uh, was a family daycare educator. Yeah. So um, I think I've been an assistant educator since I was three years old actually. <laughs> <laughs> being Being someone with a um, big mastery cup you know like I just wanted to learn a lot about what she was doing and and I became quite involved with her business as I got older into my teens and and developed little systems for a business as well and and was um, you know really involved with the with the children and mum was always an advocate for for childhood and children as well so Um, i guess that was just inherited and and i didn't even realize there was another way i suppose yeah and so my one of my first jobs was um acquired through uh her connections and i started as an educator uh, about 20 years ago now and just a couple of years after i started studying psychology
0: yeah
1: and then um started my diploma and early childhood education and and then, yeah, it just it just kind of happened, and I think that it's was always, always going to be that yep. way. And I've never never left the sector, despite being determined that I was going to. I was going to get my psych degree, and I was going to go and work uh, in psychology. Yep. Um, but I never left. Actually, I got the psych degree and just hung oh, around.
0: You're still kicking in the psych still, world.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And playing kind of across both of those fields has given me an interesting perspective, actually, of how psychology is enacted in education and care yep. and um, my concern is that we're, we're just a little bit behind in education and care using practices that psychology talked about but not necessarily contemporary uh, psychology now particularly if we're looking at the positive psychology landscape yep. we're not using a lot of the information yet in education and care and I've got to say particularly in schooling and institutions like that yeah
0: And that's where I think we have such a superpower um, in the early childhood sector. We've got so much freedom within that to implement best practice. We don't have these big hierarchies that we have to go through the system. And what's so inspiring over the years is seeing these things adapted and actually transferring from that early childhood sector into schools, which is great.
1: Yeah, we can push up rather than push down. Yeah,
0: Yeah. we don't have to accept that narrative. And, you know, that sector that's... um, culturally in Australia that early childhoods look down on and yes. not real teachers, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. which I could see your face like cringe a bit and you yeah. like, oh. um, <laughs> yeah. it hurts, cuts deep. Um, but then we're being the influences on that. Absolutely. And it's, it's so inspiring. It's kind
1: of like the underdog really, isn't it? Like, yeah. You know, sometimes they don't even realise the changes that are happening yeah. systemically have been pushed up from early childhood. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of work that goes in, you know, in early childhood and – um, from academia, you know, right through to ground level, and yep. I think that um, it's undervalued and underappreciated. Yep. Um, but we're getting louder. Yeah, we a, are. As we an are. And sector.
0: the just the growth within the short. I've been involved in the sector a short, relatively mm-hmm. short time compared to you, at the age of three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what are those big things, big changes you've seen recently that excite mm-hmm. you most?
1: Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? I
0: Because it's easy to dwell um, on, you know, yes, we are up against it, yes, we look down on it culturally, but yep. so what? Mm. Like I see the, inf- in the impact educators have every day on children. That's enough for me to keep yeah. going. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, what are those things that you see that excite you and keep you going?
1: I think that um, I've noticed a big uh, change and shift in our focus on rights and children's rights. Yeah. People are familiar with that now. The narrative and the dialogue is out there and um, and being used a lot more than it, than it was some time ago. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah. So around
0: the um, around inclusion.
1: Yes, and uh, but even you know just children's rights to play, um, children's rights to freedom. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about freedom as a need. It's one of the cups which are, represent needs, but but they're also rights. So um this is yeah, it has been important, I think, for those to be recognised and to be incorporated into programmes and to curriculum.
0: Yeah. And um not just be that um UN Convention of Rights of Children yeah. on poster on the wall. Right. You know, Which this is this nobody is what knows what's in it. Yeah. No. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> what's it like? One of, the, one of the points is it must be accessible to all. And yes. it's like in a staff room back wall somewhere. Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: a crack up. But we can do it through our practices every yep. day. Yep. Um, to go back to the, the cups, you mentioned about the, the framework that the cups were based on. Because mm. I love that story you shared because I thought it was like taking the – what's that? The bucket –
1: right no yeah it's not yeah it's absolutely not Um, (laughs) it's not that
0: Uh, but I thought it was like not the bucket but I was like oh that idea of the bucket's been really deepened and lengthened Mm. and had a real body put to it instead of like do good stuff and it fills up yeah (laughs) right absolutely it's so much more than that it
1: is so what was that
0: framework you can share with our listeners
1: Okay, so Glasser's choice theory yes, choice is something theory. that very much influences me. So, uh, but not the only thing influencing the cups. So, we've incorporated lots of different theory and research and ideas and emerging ideas from positive psychology in the cups. Yep. Um, Glasser stopped talking and thinking about choice theory, unfortunately, when he died. So, um, since then, though, you know, other um, choice theorists keep talking about it and keep thinking about yep. it. But we've really wanted to build on from that and and make some changes to that framework. So um So, it, well, I'll start with Glasser, and yep. if anyone, uh, I'm sure anyone who's listened to me before has heard this a million times, but it's in really important to hear it again because so that you can say it. So, um, so I don't mind saying it again. Glasser said, "All we do is behave." So essentially what he was saying is from when we're born until we die, we're a string of behaviours. Yes. With each behaviour we are choosing at any given point in time, a behaviour we're choosing to meet one of our needs. So where he says we're constantly choosing behaviours to meet one of our needs, we say we're choosing behaviours to fill one of our cups. Yeah. And that behaviour that we choose is the best, most cup-filling behaviour that we know given our skills and our maturation and our knowledge of the cultural values, rules and norms and, you know, so many things that uh, come make up that behavioral choice. So, when we behavior manage that choice for children, my concern is, and, and always has been since learning about choice theory, is we, and also being a behaviorist at the time that choice theory is put in front of me, uh, and I was trained in behaviorism, I was trained that behavior that is reinforced will continue and behavior that is not reinforced or has consequences or punishment will discontinue. Uh, but those two ideas, those two schools of thinking don't fit together in the same no. lane. It's, it's, a, it's a matter of pick a lane. Yep. And um, so when that was presented to me, I realised that we were behaviour managing the child's best choice to yep. fill up their cup. And what happens then is we're attempting to behaviour manage an empty cup and that's just downright dangerous and also can't be done. We just yep. can't behaviour manage an empty cup. Yep. Uh, so I realised at that point that we needed to really change tact.
0: Just to jump in there, what would be an example of an educator mm. that is not basing the behaviour on not filling that child's cup or an empty cup, as you said?
1: Yeah, so when we use behaviourism, so you deliver consequences and punishments yeah. or rewards, then we're using beha- you know, that's using behaviourism to manage the empty cup and, and behaviour manage rather than to fill cups or to meet needs or, yep. or to support children's rights. Uh, so an example would be, and I'm trying to think of one that I've done because let's be fair, we've all made mistakes and you can't do better until you know better. And when you know better, you do better. Yeah. So, um, I would say, oh, there's so many, uh, because I was such a good behavior manager. (laughs) Uh, let me have a think about this one. Okay. Um, no, that one's inappropriate. (laughs)
0: Okay. There's no of, censorship.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Everyone's adults listening. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yep. Um, no, I'm trying to think what will make the best story here. I don't know. I probably should have thought about this before. Um, let's, actually, let's just go with one that we've all done and we're all guilty yeah. of. When a child is seeking, people call it attention-seeking, right? Yep. And then they think that because they've said attention-seeking, they have to manage that. Uh, and um, and sometimes the, the management, like I mentioned before, is planned ignoring or selective attention. So we're just going to ignore that behaviour and we'll catch him being good. That's a really common behaviourist notion. Uh, and so then they try and reinforce or reward using sticker charts when he does the right thing according yeah. to their terms, right, rather than consider this child's behaviour is coming from an unmet need. Uh, and in this case, it's connection. So we actually have reframed attention-seeking to connection-seeking. Yep. And immediately when we say connection-seeking, we're not going to behaviour manage that, are we? Mm. We're going to support the child to get their need for a connection met. So um, in that case, rather than to ignore the child's attempts at connection – what we would do instead is um, to support that child to get skills to fill their cup. We call that skill to fill because yeah. uh, we can rhyme and we're clever. Yeah. And uh, with the skill, we're supporting children's skill to fill their connection cup. That you know they've got a lot to learn from us yeah. around how to make those connections and how to get the need for connection, belonging, love, and acceptance met. Yeah. So did I answer the question, or did I just go around? Yeah, it? no, that
0: was a good good example of like that framework of yeah. like that dismissal of attention seeking that yeah. and the habit of dismissal mm-hmm. um and then reframing that as connection seeking yeah which is great yeah really good that's helpful for me i've got the five and three year olds so oh, wow. sometimes you like like this morning the school readiness yeah type of gosh, stuff and i'm like not all right all right just laid on the floor for a little bit with my daughter yeah until she was ready and
1: you connected <laughs> yeah you felt like exactly so called.
0: i was like oh, okay if i get annoyed that is going to do nothing. Yeah. I was like all right, let's land the floor.
1: This is happening. Yeah, this We're gonna is happening. Take our time. And
0: then um, you know, as five-year-olds do and as Maggie said they're entitled to lose their beautiful minds. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then once she was over that, the click of the button and she's off. Yeah. Full cup. Um, yeah, so a question and this is for for me and I'm sure a lot of listeners with yep. the younger children. Um how do we best support our Children that are those um, connection seekers, mm. and not only through our, our personal relationships, what about the ones that are um, connection seekers for um, other people, like friends and peers, and like going off to school?
1: Yeah, so and some children will have more of a need with, for connection than others. So, um, Glasser talked about a need strengths profile, yeah, uh, where, where he talked about some people needing more, he called the um, need love, we call it connection. So um, some people needing more love and then other people needing more, he called it power, we call it mastery. Yeah. Um, so in our framework, we talk about that's being the size of your cups. And that's a, the cup's profile. So I have my biggest cup is mastery. Yep. My smallest cup is safety. Yep. Uh, and so a child with a really big connection cup, sometimes it's hard for me. It, mine's about middle size, but sometimes it's hard for me to understand that. I'm like, gosh, this child's connection cup should be full by now. It's got yeah. so much connection. But yep. it's actually just that this child's connection cup is so much bigger than mine. So mine would be full. Yeah. But, you know, it's half the size of his, so I pour yeah. it in there and he's actually only half him. You know, he's only half full. Yeah. So um, in this case, we need to support him to understand how to make those connections and um, and, and to choose behaviours that fill his connection cup. We don't want to do it for him. We don't want to do all the pouring because yeah. then when we're not there, what is he going to do? Yeah. Um, and there's you know, many reasons why we don't want to... Um, fill children's cups for them we want to support them they're actually wired innately to seek these connections anyway so we just want to support them to do that in ways that are going to be effective and efficient and and also we'll we'll fill their cups without emptying other people's cups and that takes time um, to learn how to do that So, um, you know, in this case, particularly if we're talking about early childhood education and we've got children in our spaces with big connection cups, we need to be thinking about all aspects of that cup. So belonging, acceptance, connections with peers, connections with adults. uh, You know, what does that look like in this space? And and then um, making sure that the space, the environment is a third teacher in this case. And um, ensuring that the space is cup filling and that the child can choose behaviours to fill their cup and understand that those um, attempts at connection are needed
0: yep yep and that's um we we tend to obviously play it forward in children advocacy but um exactly the framework you're talking about is it's just not exclusive to children and their framework it carries all the way through to these educators as well right and that's an exciting space you're working in as well that well-being and wellness space and the positive psychology which I love that stuff. So, yeah, guess what we're going to talk about? Yeah, um, how do you good. see that? Um, what's what's your view on the general well-being of, of the sector of early childhood educators and challenges?
1: Yeah, we're seeing um, a huge need to talk more about well-being yeah. and um, and to diversify the idea of what well-being is. I think sometimes the initial things that come to mind for some organisations or or some um, teams is that wellbeing must be healthy eating and yoga, you know, and it's really so much more than that, that safety cup filling. But what about Freedom Cup? What about the Mastery Cup? We've got a Fun Cup and we've got a Connection Cup and all five of those need to be met for us to really have that good strong sense of fulfilment. So, which is a convenient analogy, isn't it? Fulfillment. I love that word because it just so ties in nicely with cups. Yeah. Uh, So that when we really think about each other's different needs for that as well, because in your teams, you're going to have people with big freedom cups and then you're going to have people with big mastery cups and they need different things for their well-being. Yeah. So we all have all five of these needs. But um, we also um, have varying levels of them. So it, it does mean that things are going to look different for each of us. And so a well-being plan for one person is not the same as a well-being plan for the next person. So being able to plan for our own needs, first of all, we need a shared language, um, which is what the Phoenix Cup Framework yep. provides. Um, and then we need to be talking about that and working out how we can make sure all of our needs are met at work and also how we can plan for them beyond that as well. Uh, as far as your question around wellbeing for the sector, I, I feel mm. like we've got work to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're doing what we can. Yeah. And uh, the Phoenix Cups book was written with adults in mind. So that's not a book around children's needs. Yeah. It's very much a book around for adults around theirs. This is a framework for humans. Yeah. It's not just a framework for children. So, And, and what is important um, for educators is that they need to plan for their own wellbeing because they can't pour from an empty cup. And uh, it's actually really dangerous for educators to go to work with empty cups for a few reasons. And one of them, of course, is we see an immense amount of burnout in the sector and um, burnout in cup language is empty cups. Yeah. So the other thing is, though, like let's say this morning, let's say my barista's cups weren't full and he went to work. The worst thing that's going to happen today is he makes me a bad coffee. Yeah. And that's not great for me. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to get over it pretty quickly, right? Uh, or I might have a not so great interaction. I'm going to walk out of the store going, well, that was not yeah. awesome. Uh, but when an educator goes to work with empty cups, the, wor- the worst thing that can happen is a lot more than a bad coffee. Yeah. So we have a responsibility to get our own needs met first or put our own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. Because we're responsible for children and their needs and their rights. And that uh, that that's a huge responsibility, and it's one that um, I think that sometimes educators are they're so giving of everything that they have, and they're so giving of their time and their and their own needs that they forget to fill back up again, yep. and then they get bone dry and go, well, I've got nothing more to give, and that's not going to help anybody. So no. I often, tell educators if. If a massage is in your cup-filling plan because you get pain in your back and you just need time out and it fills so many cups to be away and just have that moment and you need to do that once a month or whatever, do it, get the massage, it's for the children.
0: Yeah, 100%. I love that saying, of especially being an old flight attendant, um, put your own oxygen mask on first. It's so applicable. Um, I know for me personally, if I don't have that reset time, yep. Um, for me, it'd be a surf or run or something, mm. I'm no good at all. Yeah. Um, but to go back to that, um, if an educator is fe- starting to feel burnt out yep. and, you know, when you start to feel burnt out, you've actually been burnt out for a long time already yeah. in my experience. Yep. So what are the steps they can take yep. to look after and nurture themselves first?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, we support educators to find what their needs profile is, um, and so there, there's a free quiz on our website. Yep. So I'll, put, I'll give you the link. Uh, but that will help them to start talking about their needs together.
0: Yep. And also, there's the um, obviously you do the um, the in-service workshops as yes. well for well-being. We so, do. Yeah, the so educator that's wellbeing wellbeing another resource. Yeah, Chris runs that. Um, and the the cards.
1: Yeah, we've got the cards, cards, we've got books, we've got oh, so, so many so resources. So many things, yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, they'll all send you all the links and all the things. Awesome. Uh, but the quiz is a great place to start. And then uh, what they need to be thinking about is, okay, because th- it, it, it doesn't matter if it's your small cup, you still need to plan for it. Yeah. So um, now that I know that my big cup is mastery or freedom or whatever it might be, that's good to know. It's why I'm different to my colleague yep. and their needs. And it's good to know what their needs are because it makes some of their mysterious behaviours a bit more, yep. um, you understand them a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Just like uh,
0: that child with the even the the subtleties of a yeah. slightly bigger cup. Yep. That's a whole different framing for the world, isn't yeah,
1: it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, got, it's, it's actually, I see light bulbs go on when they, because often I hear from people, if we go off on that tangent, um, is that no, his need for mastery must be overflowing by now. He just chooses so much mastery behaviours. And uh, so it must be full to overflowing. And then um, when I find out about their needs profile and I realise that their mastery cup isn't really big, yeah. and I draw their mastery cup next to what his could potentially look like. And I'm like, so if yours was full to overflowing, let's pour it into his, how much has he got left? That's the empty part of the cup. Yeah. This is another – I'll give you another little um, t- tip from the framework. Uh, the empty part of the cup is the will to fill. Yep. So that uh, – which is a genius idea from my husband who can also rhyme as it turns out. <laughs> um, but the will to fill our cup is based on that internal driver, um, yep. that unconscious drive, that will to get yep. our need met. And um, so that means that the child's cup is not full to overflowing. He's still got a great big yeah. chunk of will to fill. The
0: will so, to fulfill.
1: Yeah, yes. But- yeah. It's nice too. Yeah, you can write that one down. Send you a link. (laughs)
0: It's
1: too late. I've already
0: trademarked will to fill. Why didn't I talk to you before this?
1: (laughs) So that and and that comes
0: into the um, what interests me about within that psychology realm is the um, the move away from motivators Mm. versus the move towards motivators. So the will to fulfill and the actual, you know, uh, to move away from a habit or something you don't like is actually stronger. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, is that. Is that something you'd explore as well?
1: I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I need to think more about that.
0: That's okay. Yeah. We'll workshop it. That's we can do a workshop together. I
1: like this. We can.
0: See this is how this is how me and um, Sandy, we meet at conferences here yeah. and there or through friends and friends and we end up having these conversations and then we're like, yeah. oh, blah, blah, blah. We've got so much to do. <laughs> We've got so much to do and yeah. we're not doing enough. Let's go do more. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you again when we can talk about you're it. You're getting a good insight into it. Yeah. So going back to the educators, um, understand yourself first is what I'm hearing you say. Yep. Be aware of yourself and use yep. a nice, solid framework yep. and a simple framework to do it. Yep. And newsflash, the... Um, I know the award wage for early childhood is not much and psychologists are really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> go to get your cups. It's going to be way cheaper and you're going to put into action a lot it faster.
1: Really, it really is. It's a, it's a lot of um, psychology knowledge and education and care knowledge over the last 20 plus years um, all rolled into one neat little framework. Yeah. And, uh, and I have the absolute pleasure of working with Dr. Louise Porter. And uh, who's been a mentor of mine for a long time. And then next thing you know, I find myself working alongside her. And it and, uh, just blows my mind that, that I get to just have dinner and a, maybe a couple of cheeky wines with her and have yep. a catch up and go, what do you reckon about this? But it was um, Louise who a couple of years ago pushed me away from using the choice theory as labels for the cups. Yep. Because she said the framework is now just so much more then choice theory and Mm. um, we're constantly incorporating new ideas into it and louise has written something like 26 textbooks on um behavior guidance and children's behavior as a function of an unmet need and and so she talks this stuff really really well and um so when louise and i started working together on this uh, of reframing the framework we also added in outcomes through um each full cup and and little other nuances into the framework, which pull together a whole lot of other ideas. So it is a nice, easy way to start talking and in, in, in reframing ideas away from behaviour management, away from some, some old school psychology and, and towards that, that new school of humanistic psychology, guidance approach and positive psych.
0: Positive psych. It's, mm. it's in there, isn't it? Yes. Um, so if someone was to get you into their centre yep. for their wellbeing um, type of workshop in service, um, what would they expect to learn through that?
1: So Chris does the Educator Wellbeing Workshop yep. specifically and uh, Chris is also a hypnotist, which makes yeah. him quite interesting. Yep. Um, have you seen his hypnotic demonstration? Yep. Yeah, it's yep. fun. And, um, so, and the point of that demonstration is to talk about the power of the mind. And so he talks about um, helpful thinking, yep. and um, how that how our thoughts can be cup emptying or cup filling. So our actions, um, our behavioural choices, are our cup fillers. But they don't just include actions; they're also thinking. So thoughts and actions make up our behavioural choices. And uh, when we and that's one of the big takeaways I think from Chris's workshop is that it's not just stuff we do that can be cup filling or cup emptying; yep. it's also things we think. Uh, and so he identifies some commonly thought about unhelpful thinking, um, but then talks about um helpful thinking and how it can fill cups and um helps people to understand the framework in a little bit more detail because it's simple in its complexity yeah. there is there is a lot you do know, you can look at the phoenix cups framework and and catch a little bit online. Um, and and do some reading and do some thinking. But there's actually, and once you read the book, I think that people now with the accessibility of the book has been um, realised that, whoa, there's so much other things we can explore within this. 100%.
0: Even just talking to you now and getting into, like, scratching the depth of it, I'm like, my notes on my page here, there's about seven different ways we could go (laughs) just talking (laughs) about cups.
1: No, we need seven hours now.
0: Yeah, that's fine. We're on. Guys, cancel lunch. Um, But... That's um. We've mentioned it many times, but positive psych for yep. the listeners that don't know about that, you want to give a definition of positive psych. Yeah.
1: Psychology. Um. So uh, Seligman and Csikszentmihalyi, uh, their work has been a, a founding, you know, movement for the positive psychology movement. It is collectively known as as positive psychology, and uh, it's a it's not. It's not essentially new because humanistic psychologists have been talking about it for a long time. We have Rogers and Maslow, Maslow who said, "You know, why are we studying sick people?" His words, not mine, right? Um, but why are we looking at what's wrong and trying to fix that instead of what's right um, and how people are doing well already yeah. and how to do more of that? So um, it, it continues along that trajectory of looking at what's going well. What are people's strengths? What are people's abilities? How are people overcoming um, crisis or how are people um, self actualizing if we use Roger's and Maslow's term of um, actualizing tendency and and getting all of our needs met and then striving towards being all we can be and reaching out fulfilled potential. Self-fulfilled. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So they don't need other people to fulfil them. They don't need psychologists to fulfil them. Uh, They have the toolbox. Right. And we've got yeah. to just look, and although psychologists working from a positive psych lens can be really helpful in um, determining actually what are your strengths and how have you got to where you are right now. So, um, you know, a lot of the time in using positive psychology, we would actually look at if we're thinking about children's behaviour. Okay. So he managed to get from here to here. He he managed, let's say um, uh, he's learned some skills or his or he's calmed himself down or whatever. So how did he do that rather than what do we still need to fix or manage? Yeah. Uh, and then how can we support his strengths uh, and um, what we know about him as a person to um, to become all he can be rather than try to manipulate and control and manage him and push him into yeah. the, that square peg into the round hole. Uh, so Semihai talked about... Flow, um, and his name is difficult to say and spell, so I'll also send you a link for <laughs> that. Um, but flow is really interesting to start thinking about what that could look like in our education and care settings, and and I don't think that's being done enough um, globally of what this looks like for children, what it looks like in play. Um, but we're you know we're all we're all doing it. You know I spoke yeah. to Angus last night. He talked about flow at length uh, with yeah. me and. And you're, um, you're talking about this stuff and how we can include it into our programs. But um, So when we start opening up and looking at the research happening there, and it's, it's happening now um, by the millions because of our access to the internet now. Yeah. So research these days looks quite different to research in the 50s, for yeah. example. Um, positive psychology and the University of Pennsylvania, who do a lot of the research there, they've got endless surveys and quizzes and questionnaires, uh, which is all collecting data yep. from millions of people. Yep. So it's a, it's a space to watch. It's a space that's emerging. Um, there's online courses on the University of Pennsylvania website, which yep. I highly recommend. And um, there's, there's books. Um, there's one by Iona Boniwell. Yep. It's Positive Psychology in a Nutshell. Beautiful summary of all the work that's been doing, done there.
0: Awesome, mm. awesome. And you touched on something there that I'd love to, to explore a bit more. Um, you said seeing how the child overcame that yeah. or had success in that or yeah. had self-mastery in yep. overcoming a behavioural challenge versus fixing. Yes. Yep. So obviously that's a habit and a reflex because generationally yeah, um, our parents taught us how to parent? Yep. Yep. So the fix is is the solution. So mm-hmm. how do we identify when the child is having a success and versing how to fix it? Maybe a example of how a parent or educator could c- overcome that behavioral challenge.
1: Oh, you ask such tricky questions. Why? You do? <laughs> okay. Uh, a child is having a meltdown. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that
0: one. And then, mm-hmm. after a length of time, mm-hmm. because. There was no reasoning, although yeah. you could try that till the cows come home. Yeah, but then the child child managed to self soothe and right. overcome that. Yeah, so from there, instead of directing and saying, well, that's good behaviour. What you did before wasn't good behaviour. Right. What would be the approach? Okay.
1: So the child is doing some learning around how to self-regulate. Yeah. Um, and this is really necessary learning. So, you know, I'm, I'm often really excited when I see a child who's been able to soothe themselves uh, because we've, we've seen the progress of the learning there. So it's really just a matter of switching lenses. Yeah. Uh, but Louise Porter talks about this quite a lot too. And I'm, I'm writing a book with her around um, parenting. Yeah. Which is super exciting. Um, not to say I think I've got it right, but after parenting seven different children, I, I feel like I've got a bit of an idea of, you know, some things that we the did trial right. And things that trial and we, error it, there. Yeah, you know, and my, my first guinea pig is actually, like, she's done pretty well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, And we've been talking about how to incorporate this sort of stuff in the book too because um, uh, the example Louise often gives when this stuff comes up is um, if we're talking, let's go with a school age child. Um, or a, a child who's linguistically really capable, um, then uh, she actually gave the example at the masterclass on the weekend. I'll pinch it from her, of um, a, of a child in uh, who has been sent to detention who's really losing it in class, and he gets to the principal's office and the principal can take one of two options and, and one of them is saying, well, you lost it in class and um, that's not okay and so, you know, write 50 lines and do the things that we had to do. Yeah. When, um, you know, I was a big mastery cup in school, I was often writing lines. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I was
0: explaining to my daughter the other night. Um, yeah. We were having a beautiful discussion around um, her she, – she was sharing she doesn't – she had a bit of a – emotional response yeah and she hid her umbrella on the floor and it broke yeah and then she was really upset and she's like I can't believe I did that I'm so embarrassed I I just want to be I just want to be a good kid all the time and I want to do right things I want to be perfect yeah and I was like that's not a thing yeah (laughs) and then I gave an example of um telling my teacher I did my homework and I didn't do my homework then the teacher calls my mom and said did he do his homework no and then that was me being honest and i felt embarrassed and then had to go to do detention do lines and she was like what a lie
1: oh my gosh i'm so glad she said that i (laughs) hope she says that forever (laughs) yeah exactly
0: so sorry to jump in but that's that's it's so relevant it's It's coming up doing lines is a response to behavioral
1: yeah right like what what Whoever thought that was a great idea?
0: Yeah, and then you're depriving them of activating their physiology. So yeah. then, when they go back to class, they're even more worse. Yeah. I was even worse. Was so I bad. was like, "You made me do this. Hold my beer. Watch yeah. this."
1: <laughs> now, I, now I've got an empty freedom cup. So mm. look out. So absolutely, yeah, it's going to get worse. Yeah. it was completely ineffective, but it came from the behaviorists who, who did a great deal of research in labs with cats and rats in cages and mazes. Yeah. So, of course, it's going to work on children, right? Yeah. So, um, but we were doing the best we could with what we had, right, our parents. And, yeah. um, and now and we are and we've yeah. got more tools. So,
0: I jumped in at the principal, decides, right. do lines, or? Yeah, so
1: the, or the principal could say, you look calmer now than you were in class. And the child would say, well, yeah, I am. When did that happen? On my walk here. All right. So, out of 10, how angry were you in class? Nine, how angry are you now? Tell me how you got from nine to four. And so the child's then going to identify some skills. Well, I walked and that helped me calm down um, and I took some deep breaths. Wow, sounds like you've got some really good skills and strategies to calm yourself down. Do you need any help with with anything else? Do you want to talk about anything? No. Do you want to keep walking? Do you want to keep breathing? What do you want to do? Uh, and then support the child to calm down again. And when that child has calmed, then we can look at, what was the what was the motivation behind that behavior what was going on for the child and with the cups we we often default to that it's a nice easy framework to look at was the child mastery cup empty and um so at that point you know created a meltdown was it a connection issue yeah. was it many things because sometimes a traditional classroom can be freedom cup emptying connection cup emptying mastery cup emptying fun cup emptying and safety yeah. cup emptying yeah 100 right? so is it any wonder we see constant meltdowns yeah so um, that's an, uh, that is an example and a nice easy one because the child um, is possibly a little bit more mature into the outer cortex of their brain um, by that age and, uh, and we can have that kind of conversation and, and self-reflect with yep. them. So when we're talking about doing that with younger children, it's really just a matter of doing it without as much language and, um, and attuning to the child and then supporting them uh, to use their strengths.
0: Yeah. Um, that's awesome it's so exciting to see this the data actually being applied yeah as well yeah and to i I love that you're being the bridge between like these really high ideas that are quite big concepts yes um behind the research but then breaking it down and making it deliverable so Mm. that's why it just came up because it's like oh how do i simplify this and it's just a manifestation of your quest which is just amazing i love it yeah um where do we go? You mentioned Chris as well. Mm. Um, he founded – no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sore point. We won't go there. Um, he did not found the Phoenix Cups. No, that was his wife. Yes, yeah. his wife. Good wife.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And we met a couple of years after that moment and um, around about just before actually that I, I presented at Sydney Early years Expo to – it was a couple of hundred people and he helped me put the um, PowerPoint slideshow together – He was like, wow, you're really onto something with this. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's it's really working. And uh, so we've been talking about cups together now for the last five years, day in, day out. Like I cannot even tell you our life is just – he is philosophy and I'm psychology. So Chris um, did a year of psychology at uni – before realising there was more money in town planning, <laughs> so um, he went and was, you know he's just having his um, daughter and realised that oh, oh I've got to go from something I want to do to something that we have to do for the family. So he did that and he became a town planner. And, but then um, his hobby was philosophy and as you do um, and hypnotism. Yeah. And uh, so when I met him, he was just so fascinated by continuing you know this thinking around psychology and philosophy and hypnotism and. And um, so our worlds collided a little bit and, and uh, so when I bring psychology to a conversation, he brings philosophy and, and that's what the novel has ended up being is, is a really nice mash yeah. of philosophy and psychology and making those ideas um, concrete and, like you say, accessible.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that, that you've got the direction and purpose and it's great like we see that in your yeah. relationship but... Yeah. Um, once you're aware of those cups yeah. and what fulfills you, yeah. you know the direction you're going yeah. to walk in. Yeah. And that might be something really good for our listeners and especially educators. Mm. Not necessarily like, oh, well, I like mastery, so I need to go become a master of something new. It's like, well, I can become a master of something else. Or if it's that connection and different cups there,
1: yeah.
0: it might be that. And, and that will steer you to your fulfillment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Within your role. You're going to be naturally driven by your will to fill, which is often biggest in your biggest cup. So you're going to be naturally driven to do that stuff. And it sometimes helps people too to realise that, oh, okay, so I hadn't realised what was going on with my sense of well-being, that it was actually about mastery and I haven't been able to finish my task or I haven't been able to master anything or get any further on anything. And, and so maybe creating, in, in while well, we're talking about Mastery Cup, for example, maybe creating situations where... You can master something, be successful, have some challenge, um, overcome that challenge, and it, most people don't think to put that sort of thing in their cup filling plan. Yeah. So um, yeah, that can that can just give you some explanation of why you need what you need or why you do what you do, uh, but also certainly when it comes to self actualizing, sometimes when people realise, oh, my need for whatever it is my biggest need is not being met at work, then yeah. you've either got to seriously think about your work or think about how you can make it happen because we spend a lot of time at work. Work and life are not things that we can separate. Yeah. Um, so thinking about how we can uh, make sure that we plan for that need in both situations is yeah. important.
0: So obviously the increase in anxiety, increase in depression mm. is like a rocket at the moment. Yeah. So, I, But I see this also being a great vessel for that – that tool for the conversation to start with parents, as yes. well within the cups, and yeah. identifying these positive traits yeah. in children, really leveraging on that to be able to send this information home and say, "Hey, your child has this mastery cup, so let's really nurture that, make sure it's full all the time, yeah. and 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 the other cups as well." Be really yeah. like, "This is a and kind of that avenue for that discussion to happen in a real positive way." Yeah, um, just facilitate those yeah. w- conversations as well.
1: Yeah, it's the funnest. So um, often, uh, services that I work with will give their families the quiz and say, "Here, go and do this through you know whoever you're co-parenting with or whatever, and think about your cups, and then we've got a bit of an idea around your children's cups." So yeah. then we'll talk about that. And one um, uh, team I do quite a bit of work with in, in Melbourne. Uh, East West Fitzroy Childcare Centre, which is yep. uh, just amazing. They do amazing work. And Ruth Harper is my friend and colleague that runs that. And um, she invited me to come down and do a parent night. And a couple of the parents came up to me and and they were just... They'd already done so much research and they already knew so much about needs and there were the cups. And, and um, they said, oh, we're both big connection cups... And so we are really struggling to understand our child. But when we realise that she's got a small connection cup and a big mastery cup, it's like, oh, this is why uh, that we're we're struggling to understand her because, you know, our ideas of of what we need is just different to what she actually needs.
0: Yeah. And then there's that, um, like, when someone's fulfilling your mastery cup and, you know, that's heightened because it's your... It's what fulfills you. Yeah. So it's like one drop is like, gives you so much joy. I find equally, if it's someone's like a not connection, it equally goes the opposite way. Yeah. Because you're really like, no, my connection thing is good now. Yeah, so yeah. So don't, tr- don't keep pushing it, don't keep pushing <laughs> it. Our, our positive attributes fill up really quickly because yeah. we love it. And then yeah. equally, those small cups, you're like, they overfill really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is interesting to start talking like that and thinking, oh, okay, so what are some examples around that and how would that look and, and what does that mean for the behavioural choices I choose around other people yeah. as well and um, it can make us a little more considerate. Um, yeah. It can help us be a little more cooperative. Yeah.
0: I love it that you're not trying to frame the world on your understanding of yourself. Yeah. That's like, oh, what I really like about it. Right. It's inviting you to view other people's yep. framing of their world.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that is the thing that a lot of even if we look traditionally at theorists and different things that inform um, some of our knowing and our truths, you know, in inverted commas, we often see um, that person talking about the world through, through their experience, which is really important, but at the same time um, I think what was interesting for me when I discovered choice theory is that they talk about a need-strengths profile, was that, oh, okay, so my perception of the world is really um, influenced by that need-strengths profile and, and it helped me so much to understand why other people do things so bizarrely different to what I do. You know, yeah. like, you should do it my way. Yeah. My way's a good way. Yeah, And then... You know, that's coming from a typical mastery cup. And then um, when I realised that, oh, that person actually is driven much more by freedom or another person's driven much more by fun yeah. um, than mastery, for example. Yeah. It, does, it does help to broaden a view a little bit and understand other people. Yeah,
0: it's great. It's, it's really awesome and um, well done. And it's just so nice to sit down and talk to you and really get to savour that wisdom that you've developed over the years through going in the depth of it's phenomenal.
1: Uh, yeah, it's great to talk to you about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's Perfect. like when I started doing community gardens
1: yes.
0: um, and teaching about um, permaculture, you could go really deep and you start talking about Latin names and everything. Right. And most of the population just switch off and go, that's nice, you freak. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but if
0: I start saying, well, a plant's going to do the job for you. Yeah. It's designed to grow. You've just got to create an environment for it.
1: Yeah. You know, just like children. Oh my gosh, they're it's designed just to like grow. Children, yeah. yeah, it
0: is. You go, okay, what do these children need? They need nurturing. They need this. They need that. And different plants, like different cups, need different things. Yes. So some, some plants, they're like, put me in the desert. But if you put me in the rainforest, I'm going to shrivel up and die. Oh, yeah, so no. it's our, like what we do in our play environments, it's about creating the environment just for this life to be able to flourish the way it's meant to yeah. for itself not for yeah. everyone not exactly the same way yeah just for that so that's why i love that what you're doing I, I can I, be
1: like, i'm impressed with the way you were just able to link permaculture with cups just now Like that is good i didn't think i could yeah. find the links like that <laughs> it's it's a ecology. <laughs> it's ecology it's ecology perfect really perfect
0: isn't it? yeah yeah i'm the ad add high school dropout kid
1: yeah wow yeah. because the school wasn't cup filling
0: no not at all and I was constantly being I was in trouble all the time but if I was interested in something I was yeah. like okay I'm on yeah I'm on here yeah this is awesome and if I had a um connection mm. with a with someone
1: yes right I am like, mean right so freedom and connection are they your big cups yeah yeah have you yeah. done the quiz? No. I want to see if the quiz is right. We're yeah. right about yeah. this, but whether or not the quiz has accurately picks it up. Yeah. It's only 30 questions. Yeah. If it was 200 questions, it'd be much more accurate. Yeah. So when people do it, I just sort of say, well, the fine print is use it as a guide. Yeah. It's not a hard and fast rule. Yep. But, yeah, I think I'm hoping it picks up that you're a big freedom cut, big connection cut. So yeah. big freedom cuts don't do well in schools that don't value freedom and autonomy yeah. and agency. Yep.
0: And um, in my previous career as a chef and flight attendant and... Yep coaching and stuff i was like i always really got a lot of fulfillment from it and i love my job i yeah. was doing um and it wasn't until i went out and branched out and did my own thing that mm-hmm. i was like oh it wasn't that i hated the job yeah or i didn't like it it yeah. was because it was wasn't mine
1: yes you needed the freedom I, did, I yeah. yeah and yeah. then
0: my wife's very supportive of that i was like we could do this and this and this and she goes yeah that's a great idea yeah not yet Later yeah. or <laughs> stuff like that. She'll redirect Has and be like, got a great, idea pick the news so she keeps yeah. that in check. Yeah. 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 But I'm going to go back and do it with all my stuff. Yes. It'll be really good. I can't wait I'm to hear to how that goes. Tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you so much, Sandy Phoenix. Um, all of there's going to be a lot of show notes yeah. for this one. They will. Um, yeah. A lot of references because Sandy's created these amazing, really accessible resources for you and. Um, I think we'd have to come back and talk solely about positive psych. I'd love to do that. Yeah, why not? Um, or behavioral management or okay. a, a um, well being approach. We could even get Chris here as well. That'd I be amazing. I think
1: that you and Chris need to have a chat. Like you are just going to love that as well. It'll add yep. a nice little layer of it. Yeah, I mean, there's five cups. We can have five more conversations. I mean, Easy, <laughs> got...
0: easy, easy. Thanks so much for joining us on another Play It Forward Worthy podcast. Um, if you'd like to find out more about the amazing work that Sandy Phoenix and her team are doing, um, head straight to a website. There's also an amazing YouTube channel. There's also Facebook, and also what we didn't mention in that, go find um, Sandy via via Parent TV as well. Um, thanks so much, and look forward to you joining us again on another Platform Worthy podcast.